Hey everybody, I'm Bill. And I'm Jeff. And this is the Cub Session Podcast. You can catch us on Twitter at, at Cub Session Pod. And uh, we're working on coming out with a new website, uh, which will likely be CubSession.com. But uh, stay tuned for the official announcement of that. Yeah, for sure, Jeff. I think that'll be a lot of fun to have a, uh, a little additional opportunity to, to catch our awesome thoughts and rantings. Oh yeah, I mean we'll be we'll be posting. Uh, I don't know if you want to call them articles or I, on the on the website right now. I'm figuring they'll be called opinions, and uh, you know you can read them and think what you want of them. For sure. Well, looking at today's calendar dates, Jeff, I see one very specific thing standing out to me. March 28th means tomorrow is March 29th, and that is opening day. Opening day. Is there a more <laughs> yeah. exciting day of the year than opening day? I, you know, I don't know, because, all right, so I think that maybe, all right, so I get really jacked up about a few different days of the year. Um, March, the start of March Madness, I get jacked up about. Right. But that does not, that does not compare to opening day. Um, the Super Bowl is just fun for all the hype, but it's not really... I don't get as jacked up about it because the Bears suck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then um, I can't really think of much else. I think uh, like coming up here, the Masters, but that's, I mean, that I know, you don't pay as much attention to that because it's basically four straight days of, you know, golf, and you can't sit there and watch that. Well, to, to me, what makes – what makes opening day so exciting is the the buildup, you know, especially coming off of a 2017 season where our team, the Cubs, just didn't quite get to the level we had hoped for and didn't quite follow up that 2016 World Series campaign with a repeat. So, you know, you get months and months of just sitting and thinking and, and following the rumors and seeing who we're going to sign, who we're not going to sign, you know, who's going to add and subtract from the team. And then all that buildup just kind of culminates into tomorrow, the, the first day of the season. And this year we've got, you know, what should be a, a relatively easy matchup in the Marlins. Um, you know, we've seen it in the past where it looked like an easy matchup and then it didn't go that way. So uh, hopefully this is a quick, easy series for the Cubs to walk away with a, a perfect record to open the season. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because um, it goes from the Marlins to the Reds to the Brewers, I think. and you know, the Marlins and the Reds should be, I mean, you could realistically start 6-0. and I think it's only a two-game series against the Reds. But, you know, I think I've said this to you before. If I were Castro, Starling Castro, I'd, I'd call in sick. Like I, I'd be I hiding. I want to sit there. And, yeah, I, but I think you're right. I think we can, I think the Cubs can go into the season 4-0. and And I think that, um, you know, in this first series, all you want to see is some quick starts out of some guys that had poor years last year. Um, first, you know, first that comes to mind is Schwarber, but definitely, even though he had such a bad year that I, I still think that I would put Hayward ahead of him in importance. Uh, I'd I'd rather see Hayward start out hitting the ball than than Schwarber, even though you know, of course. For the future, I'd I'd rather see Schwarber do well, but 
Well, but I get what you're saying there is is with Hayward, there's so many question marks. I mean, the Cubs aren't giving up on Schwarber. I don't know if you caught the recently Theo came out and said, you know, that's a, a player they really believe in. And I think the leash on Schwarber is going to be a lot longer than the leash on Hayward. And realistically, if he comes out of the gate hitting 200, you know, looking like he can't hit a ball out into the outfield or, you know, looking like he can't be a regular everyday batter, the Cubs are going to bench him. And then we're going to have, you know, the largest contract on the team sitting on the bench. And that's a tough weight. I know the Cubs are financially stable. I know that contract's not killing them. But my gosh, to have him produce at a level that's even, you know, close to his career average would make such a difference versus what we've seen out of him as a Cub thus far. And I think it's so important that he gets out of the gate strong because if he doesn't, he's not going to be in that lineup. Yeah, I totally agree. And it'd be interesting to see how long the leash is going to be on him because, I mean, from all implications, Ian Happ is going to be your starting center fielder. But at the same time, you have Albert Almora, who's done nothing but impress in the limited opportunities he's gotten as well. Not to mention he's, you know, one of Theo's guys. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, um, not Schwarber, uh, Hayward falters if, you know, they slide half over to right, put Almora in center, and then you have an outfield full of the guys that we were promised when Theo came in to start taking over the team. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting proposition. You know, to, the re- reality is Elmora deserves an everyday job. Hap deserves an everyday job. Schwarber, we think he deserves an everyday job. I mean, he showed it in spring training. That's probably the big difference between him and Hayward right now is coming out of spring training, Schwarber looks like he's ready to rock, where Hayward looks like he's going to do more of the same. So, yeah, I mean, we've got three other outfielders, plus Zobrist, who needs uh, some opportunities to get play time. Plus, you got a guy in Bryant who can go out and play some outfield. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough one, you know, to juggle that roster. And, and quite frankly, I would love for all of those guys to, to make it an impossible decision for Joe to, to decide who's going to sit on a given day. All right, so here's a proposition that I heard on uh, the radio tonight. I believe it was on 670 to score. Okay. The Cubs, the Cubs should just play with three infielders and four outfielders. You know, I saw something uh, recently <laughs> about the Astros trying that out, that that's an uh, op- option that they tried during spring training and something that their manager came out and said he would be willing to do in the right situation in the regular season. And, and I'm not sure. I just don't know if that's – I mean, when they shift and you leave the, the left side of the infield open, you know, in the current status of the shift, that makes her such an easy bunt. You know, you can just lay down a bunt and take first base every time. If you start putting four guys in the outfield, what's to stop the batter from adjusting and just totally taking advantage of that? I mean, to me, it's, it's an exaggerated shift, and the shift already has a major weakness. But guys don't exploit it, so it definitely puts the pressure on the defense to take further advantage of it. Hey, I'm not talking about a shift. I'm talking about just straight up two of the two of the uh, widest range middle infielders in the league, and Javi Baez and Addison Russell. I don't think the Astros have those two guys, and I'm pretty sure that uh, those two. Could, I'm not saying that they will or that they could. I'm just saying that if you have the opportunity as a team those two guys will probably give you the best shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get you. But again, that's a lot of infield to cover with only two guys. So I assume you have Rizzo still covering first, and then you're expecting Javi and, and uh, Addison to cover the entirety of the, the left side in the middle. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm not, in all seriousness, that's never going to happen. 
but um, it's interesting. You know, it would it would it would help with the issue. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. That would definitely help make that issue go away. Well, and you and I were talking the other day, and you pointed out that Bryant at third base. I mean, there's a big opportunity for improvement. Um, you know, his defense there was kind of towards the bottom of the league in terms of errors committed by a third baseman last year. Um, you know, that gives a big room for improvement. And we certainly don't have any space in the outfield to say, hey, we're going to make a positional change. I think he's got the intangibles. He's got the ability to be a better third baseman. But I'd really like to see that this year. And here's the thing. Um, you know, you could look at metrics and analytics all you want. But what you see with your eye, you see Bryant make nice plays. And then you see him screw up plays. Yep. It's kind of like the Javi Baez thing. Well, he'll make he'll make a better play than anybody in the entire league, but then I'll screw up the easy play. I don't see Bryant screwing up easy plays. I see him making half of the hard plays and messing up half of the hard plays, you know, something like that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he makes some spectacular plays, but there's definitely room for some improvement there because you're right. I've seen some of those plays kind of that you think he's going to make that he, he does not. And not as bad as, you know, like you were pointing out with Baez, where every once in a while there's that play you're going, how did you miss that one after you just made that spectacular <laughs> play, you know, yeah. five minutes ago? Um, you made but, that throw while pointing to the catcher. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So, you know, it, it'd be great to see a guy like Bryant play some gold glove caliber defense to go with that MVP caliber offense. And, um, you know, that right there brings me to, to one of the things we wanted to chat about today. So, Bryant, the 2016 MVP, did not repeat in 2017. Um, you know, we talked and about making Nor should he have. No, no, I, I agree. His stats did not deserve that. But here's the question. Will he be a contender for or the winner of the MVP in 2018? And if not, who will? Well, okay, I'll answer your question like this. I think since the Cubs are going to finish as probably the top team in the National League, he will be a contender um should he be i'm not sure i mean he'll probably have some good numbers um the right it's up to it's really up to him it depends on which bryant we see uh he could certainly improve but it's not like he's a robot you know he he could certainly have the same year he had last year still be a contender for the mvp i think in all honesty i think that if anthony rizzo puts up you know, the numbers he's been putting up the past couple of years, he should be considered more for the MVP as well, just because of everything he brings to the team off the field. But he seems to be a pretty underrated player across the national landscape. Sure. So you think that if the Cubs are a top team or the top team in the NL, that the MVP would, would just naturally come from the Cubs? You don't think there's any outsiders who could? Because I'm not going to argue with you. I, I think the Cubs are the best team in the NL and will come out on top this year. But do you think that that has that much bearing on who the MVP is? Because I'll tell you, I've got my picks in front of me right now, and I picked uh, an MVP for the NL from a team other than the Cubs. I know that's going to shock you because <laughs> I'm quite huh. the homer in that regard, but... Um, I've got a guy on my list who I think his team will make the playoffs as a wild card, but I don't think they're going to make it maybe out of the wild card round, and that's probably about it. Um, my pick for MVP is also not a Cub, but I think you asked if uh, he would be in the conversation, and yes. I think I think Bryant will be in the conversation. I think Rizzo will be in the conversation. I think I hope for they the both sake are. of name, I think for the sake of name. It'll be Bryant ahead of Rizzo, even 
for some reason, even if Rizzo has better numbers, I feel like Bryant's going to have more votes for some reason. I have no idea why. But uh, my pick for the National League MVP is Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. That's a great pick. And I I actually debated between him and the guy I ended up picking um, because I think Harper playing for a contract this season, potentially his last year as a national, maybe the last chance to really make a a big splash for that team and, and hope to carry them deep into the playoffs. And then obviously set himself up for the biggest contract possible. I mean, how do you not put your faith behind a guy like that who's already been an MVP once and, and really proven that he's got the, the chops to do it again? Oh, yeah, and he's got, who's his coach now? Davey Martinez, mm-hmm. keeping things loose, Joe Madden style. <laughs> yep, that's definitely going to help. I think uh, anybody other than Dusty Baker will give him a much better shot. <laughs> Dusty Baker gives him a shot of uh, blowing out an arm. That's right. That's right, even though he's not a pitcher. So my pick right. is, uh, you know, I'm still a homer in this pick because my home is in uh, the suburbs of Denver, Colorado. Oh. So I went with another third baseman by the name of Nolan Arenado of the Colorado Rockies. Um, you know, Arenado really has been one of the best hitters in the league and one of the best defenders in the league, kind of all-around total package guy. Um, as we discussed in the last podcast, he does get a little boost from Coors Field, but he plays almost as well on the road. I mean, pretty easy even splits in terms of average and home runs on the road and at home. Um, you know, I think the guy's going to have another breakout season and not really a breakout because it's consistency at this point. Um, but I think we're going to see 40 plus home runs out of him hitting for a 300 or better average and gold glove defense at third base, you know, get the Rockies a round or two deep in the playoffs. That's an MVP. Oh yeah. Hey, if I, if the Rockies make the playoffs, I think, um, if he puts up the numbers that he is used to putting up he'll be the mvp no doubt he's the i think he's the best hitter in the league oh uh, not in the league best third baseman in the league there we sure go. that that's a that's a fair <laughs> statement there yeah best hitter is a tough one but i mean best third baseman i, I hate to admit it because i love bryant he, he's my boy but um you know arenado really does put up a tough competition for that one. Oh yeah he does and um i you know i I'd probably be on the same boat if I thought the Rockies were going to make the playoffs. Okay, so we're 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 giving a little sneak peek at our our playoff picks here, but we'll we'll hold those off till till after because I want to talk, hear who you've got for MVP in the AL. Uh, and to keep things fair, I'll I'll give my pick first. So uh, might have been swayed a little bit here by my uh, number one pick in fantasy baseball. Uh, obviously, want the guy to have a outstanding season, but uh, you know his track record is undeniable as well. Um, And I said Jose Altuve of the Houston Astros is going to walk away with the MVP this year. Um, I think the guy's going to come out and have another spectacular season in terms of total hits. I think he's going to hit for a very high average. I think the guy's going to put up 25 or better home runs, steal a a whole bunch of bases and and play great defense, uh, you know, up the middle. So, again, I think, you know, those things put together on a team that's likely to make it back to the World Series. I think that's an MVP candidate right there. I like the pick. I was close to making that same pick right there. Um, my my pick is going to give away another pick that I have. <laughs> um, <laughs> so who was the last pitcher to win MVP? Who was that? Uh, Kershaw? I believe it was. Ooh, I didn't even think about Kershaw. All right. Who was the last AL pitcher to win MVP? Oh, man. Uh, I think it was Justin Verlander. I was just about to Tigers. say Verlander. Yeah. So I pick uh, Chris Sale as the AL MVP. Really? Going with a pitcher? You know, the standard for a pitcher. pitcher to win MVP is just so high. 
you have to absolutely dominate the league. And that's uh that's an impressive pick right there. And I think that's gotta give away who your AL Cy Young Award winner is as well. You know, you know <laughs> you know what else it does other than those two picks? It gives away who my AL East winner is. That's true. That's true. Because I think that the that the Red Sox need to win the AL East. Mm-hmm. And in order for them to win the AL East, Chris Sale needs to have a great year because he's probably the best pitcher in the AL. Yeah. And that leads to him being I, I just think I just think that with the acquisition of J D Martinez, we're getting a little off track on in uh terms of what picks are, but I think that the acquisition of J D Martinez solidifies that lineup and then uh, Chris Sale, he's just gonna put up Chris Sale numbers. He's solid. He's solid. He's gonna do it. Yeah, no, I can't argue with that pick in either regard. I'm I'm a little skeptical of a pitcher winning the MVP. I, I will put that out there. I'm not not a huge fan of that pick just in terms of probability. You know, it's just uh, very rare that we see it, but it has happened. You know, it's not impossible, and Sale definitely has the ability to put up the kind of numbers that it would take. Um, as a Cy Young winner, I absolutely think that that's a, a good pick. I went with Verlander for the uh, AL Cy Young. Uh, speaking of this, Mr. Verlander, I think he came off a solid season last year where he really picked it up in the second half with the Astros. Um, so I've got my MVP and Cy Young coming from the Astros because uh, I think their team is just going to be a tough one to beat. I think as a, a total package, they're going to come out and dominate the, uh, the season. And I think Verlander is going to be a big part of that. And for whatever reason, pitching for the Astros seems like it revitalized him quite a bit. Um, so I think he's going to take it through the season this year, the whole season with that team that just came off that great World Series win. And, uh, you know, sad to say it as a Cubs fan, I think that team is going to be pretty dominant this year. I think that Verlander winning the Cy Young is just as long of a shot as Chris Sale winning the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But, That's fair. Yeah, I, no, I did I th- come into this think... show saying that I was a little uncertain of my Cy Young picks. I uh, <laughs> I felt like they they were a little bit thrown out there because I just couldn't really settle on anybody. I did have Sale on my list. I did have Kluber on that list, Carrasco on that list, and ultimately settled on Verlander. Probably again in part because he's on my fantasy team, and I just really want him to have that great season. Yeah, I think it, I think he's capable. I think uh, at this point it would be. Roger Clemens like I guess you could call it um but I I just don't think I don't think I think that he got a jolt being traded to a contender last year and I think being part of a winning culture again gave him that jolt and I think he'll probably settle in a little bit and um maybe not have that adrenaline that he had closing out the year last year well for the sake of uh the Cubs World Series chances I hope that's true because that Astros team is definitely going to be a tough one for anybody to beat. So um, moving to the NL Cy Young race, uh, who would you have over there? NL Cy Young, I've got another national, Max Scherzer. I don't think that uh, anyone's better than him in the NL, to be honest. I'll, I'll, I'll have to agree. That's a tough, tough guy to beat. He's really proven to be quite the bulldog. And, and the move for him from the AL to the NL has just absolutely ignited his career. Um, I went with another kind of household name, somebody that I don't think was too much of a stretch to pick, but uh, Clayton Kershaw is pitching for, not for a contract, but he's got a, an option here coming up at the end of this season to decide whether he's going to stay in L.A. or go for a new contract with them or elsewhere, and I think he's going to be motivated by that to, to pitch through a full season. I think his back is going to stay, stay with him this year, and I mean, he's coming off a of spring training where he didn't give up a single run. 
you know, I think that guy's ready, poised and ready for this season. Um, so I'm excited to see what he can do, even though, again, as a Cubs fan, I, I don't like being excited about watching what one of the Dodgers pitchers is going to do. Um, really badly wanted to pick you Darvish for the award, but, uh, you know, decided to try not to be such a homer in putting this list together and really look at it uh, from the non-Cubs fan perspective. And I, I think Kershaw has the better shot than you does, but I think Scherzer and Kershaw is going to be a tough pick. Oh, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, it could easily go both ways. Um, I, I just, it's, it, this is just guessing, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, who knows what anyone's, it's the human element of the game, I, I suppose. Well, that's why you watch the 162 game season. You know, you can think what you want to think. And that's what makes opening day so excited back to where we started from here was, you know, zero earned runs in spring training means nothing if he gets blown up on opening day. Right. Yeah, I mean, the Mets certainly have a handful of guys that could, or at least two guys that I could see competing for this. Syndergaard thing, for the can stay elk. healthy. I mean, that could be a, a guy who jumps right into that conversation. DeGrom could jump right in that conversation. Um, yeah, you're right. There's there's still plenty of other guys who can make it interesting. So to yeah. jump quick uh, out of the individual awards to talk playoff teams, uh, I'm just going to give you my quick three division winners, and I, I have a feeling we're going to match up on this one, Jeff. Um, out in the East, Washington Nationals, in the NL Central, Chicago Cubs, and in the NL West, the Los <laughs> Angeles Dodgers. hey oh, yep. Bang, bang, I bang, second right? that. Yep. And then I think where we're not going to agree from the sound of our earlier conversation is the wild card. I have two more West teams, uh, NL West teams, the Colorado Rockies and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Okay. Yeah, I do not have the Rockies. I have the Diamondbacks. Um... Yeah, I think I'm going to go uh, Cardinals and Diamondbacks. Ouch. Ouch. I really don't want to see that. You know, that's that's the Cubs fan in me. Is <laughs> I just Nothing would make me more excited than to see the Cardinals not make the playoffs once again. Um, you know, I just that team, they just still get under my skin. They had such a long streak of being such a dominant team in the, in the National League Central, and I just I want to see them have a good decade-long playoff drought. I just think that's what they deserve. They've secretly kind of under the table put together a nice little roster. You're um, right. <laughs> You're right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not it's what I true. like, but but hey, if I gotta say, of that 2015 uh, playoff run, the Cardinals Cubs NLDS was one of the most fun parts of it. Well, partially because they got they got blown away by the Mets in the NLCS, but right. But yeah, that was fun. It was not. It's cool. I like. I like when rivalries are fully active. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. Oh no, you're right. I mean, it's the the rivalry's more fun when both teams are good. You know, it definitely makes for a more exciting finish if we can go and take the Cardinals on in the playoffs and stomp them into the dirt. I mean, that that would be fantastic. It's and I guess that's still the the old time Cubs fan in me. I have that fear of facing them in the playoffs and then somehow, some way they pull some voodoo magic and they they stomp us into the dirt. And then I've got to spend another offseason listening about to, to people talk about how great the Cardinals are and how much better than the Cubs they are. And you know, I guess I need to have a little more confidence in my team because, you know, Bring it on, whoever it is from the NL. Bring it on because I'll tell you what I have the the Rockies coming out of that wild card series. Um, I ultimately have it coming down to the Cubs and the Dodgers again in the NL uh, CS with the Cubs making it to the World Series. Yeah, that that's a fair bet. 
Um, I think if I were to oppose that with a different prediction, which I'd probably, if you didn't say that, I'd probably lean towards Cubs and Dodgers. But I think I would go Cubs Diamondbacks. Interesting. I I like the Diamondbacks. I don't know what it is. I I think um, I think they've got a good team, good squad. I like their pitching. I like their young pitching. I like you know their lineup, especially anchored by Goldschmidt. He's probably one of two first basemen better than Rizzo in the NL. And I'm I mean I it's probably going to be Cubs Dodgers, but yeah. to oppose you, Cubs Diamondbacks Cubs is Dodgers. a is a fair bet. I, I think the D backs have a good shot. I just think they didn't do enough to improve over last year, where they didn't make it past the uh, the DS. You know, they lost JD Martinez. How do you make up for that production? And you know, they didn't really do anything. But it's a long season, a lot of time to make trades. They got him at the deadline. Maybe they get somebody at the deadline again this year to give him a better push through the playoffs. So I, I could see it happening. The core of that team is is undoubtedly there. So could happen. But, I definitely could see. But it here's happen. the thing with how I mean, you can compare it to last year all you want, but all all you need is a couple guys to play a little better, you know, or get key hits at right moments. It doesn't always come down to, you know, oh, well, he hit 300 last year, so he's not going to hit 301 next year. You know what I'm saying? You're right. That human element, that play 162 and see what happens. I mean, you don't know who's going to break out. You don't know who's going to drive a team forward. So you're right. Here's my thing with the Rockies. I I like them a lot, and I feel like they didn't get better. They didn't get better. Like, they're one team who did not get better. And they did. I mean, they lost a starting. They lost a starting pitcher, (laughs) and they they gained a they gained a closer who who you have to get to. I mean, it's kind of like like if I were the Rockies, all I would be doing is trying to gain hitters, right? Like I wouldn't be going after closers and letting my starting pitchers go. It's just based off of their stadium and where they're at and how they give up hits and home runs and pitchers can't pitch there. I would, I would try to, I would try to adjust to that. And I, I just feel like the fact that they lost Chatwood who might not look good on paper, but his splits look good and they, that he might not have pitched well in cores, but they, they lost some production on the road for sure. And that's half of their games. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you're right. The Rockies didn't do a whole lot to improve and, Picking up a closer probably is a neutral move because they lost a pretty solid closer. Um, So, yeah, you can say that they probably didn't really get a whole lot better. I mean, some of their guys, similar to the Cubs, will hopefully get better just based on age. You know, a little more experience, a little more tenure in the league. But that's fair. You know, they did not do a whole lot to improve, and they were the team that didn't make it out of the wild card last year. I thought thought they were going to be the team to make it out. I thought they they had a good shot last year. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I did, too. So... Yeah, you, you could be right. I mean, they could definitely be the team that falters there. But uh, again, excited to watch 162 games and see what happens. Yep, same here. So how about the uh, the AL? Who do you have in the AL? In the AL, AL East, I've got Boston Red Sox winning the AL East. Um, I like the Yankees. I like what they've done. Um, I hate the Yankees. I hate what they've done. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they've got a lot of hitters and a lot of strikeouts. I think That's they've true. got a good pitching staff. I think the thing that the Red Sox have over them is Chris Sale. 
I think the Red Sox have a lot of good hitters, not a lot of strikeouts. I think they've, you know, it'll kind of come down to how the Red Sox pitchers pitch against these Yankees hitters because I think they could strike them out. Um, So moving on to the Central, I'm sure you've got a similar choice. I've got the Cleveland Indians who probably have the best AL pitching staff. Sure. Um, And they've got some nice hitters. AL West, I got the Astros basically because they, 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 they chose themselves. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't yeah. choose them. They looked too good. But then, then of course, two years ago they, what was it? Three years ago they won the division. Two years ago they were last in the division. Last year they won the division. Is, but they're grown up. I, I think the Astros are going to win that, the West. Yeah, I'm with you there. I. You? I I picked the Astros out of the West as well and kind of felt the same way. I mean, how do you pick anybody else? You know, I just felt like that was that was a tough one to even try to find somebody who's going to beat them in the West. And uh, in the Central, I also agreed with you. Cleveland Indians, uh, great pitching staff, solid hitting. Um, you know, part of me thought we were going to see a Cubs-Indians rematch last year in the World Series, and part of me feels like we could see that again this year in the World Series. Yeah, we could, we could. Um, you know, the only place I differed with you was in the East, where I went with the Yankees winning the division. Um, they are going to strike out a ton, but my Lord, are they going to hit the home runs. Um, so I think that's going to be the difference maker is, you know, there's just going to be so many runs put on the board by that offense that it's going to outweigh the strikeouts. It's going to cover for any pitching uh, deficiencies that they might have. Um, you know, and I did take the Red Sox as one of my wild card teams, so I'm not counting them out. I think they're going to be right there neck and neck with the Yankees, but I think the Yankees will take the division. I think the Red Sox will take the wild card. And then my other wild card team, uh, I think is one that does some years get the attention, some years doesn't, but has always been right there in the conversation. Uh, the Seattle Mariners. I think that they've got a, a strong roster. I think that they could finally find this as the year that they make their way into that uh, wild card position and, and maybe even find their way deeper into the playoffs. I I forgot to give you my wild card again, but before I comment on your Mariners, I'm going to say my wild card teams are also the Yankees, and then my other wild card team is the Rangers. The Rangers. Um, I <clears throat> I think that the uh, the Mariners need. Uh, King Felix in order to to do anything and he hasn't been doing much this this spring so I think he's kind of over the hump I think that they missed their their window I think they're going to be they have a chance to be good I think that they need a lot to go their way to be great they've got a good offense their pitching is starting well their pitching is good but without King Felix being an ace I think that they're kind of out of it and when you go back to uh, what you were saying about the Red Sox and the Yankees, I think that all that could determine that division is the the matchups between the two because they're both going to be obviously good, and how they play against each other is going to have a lot to say about that uh, division. Absolutely, no, that's a that's a great point. They could make or break their division versus wild card dreams for either team just based on wins and losses against each other. Um, so not a lot of disagreement on those those overall picks. We had a few differences there, but uh, you know we'll have to tune check back into these. You know maybe halfway through the season, and then obviously again at the end of the season, uh, and see who came out better with the uh, the overall picks here. Um, you know just a real quick 
to see, you know, we told who we thought in the NL. I think it's going to come down to Astros Indians in the, uh, the NL, or I'm sorry, the ALCS. Um, you know, and I really do think we're going to see that Indians Cubs rematch in the World Series this year in 2018. So um, hold on to your hats if that happens, because it could be another seven gamer. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that at all. I it's kind of I kind of it, it's hard to predict because it, it plays out based on what record and tiebreaker and everything. Yeah, to see who so, faces who. Yeah, so I mean, I could I could see that. I kind of think uh, Indians Red Sox. I'm on the Red Sox bandwagon this year. I'm I, I like the Astros, but I'm not counting against a hangover like the Cubs had. And I'm kind of thinking Red Sox, Indians, and yeah, Cubs, Indians is probable. Yeah, I I, I got to say to your Red Sox bandwagon, I did not like watching the Cubs lose two in a row to them just before they start the real season. I do not want to see Chris Chris Sale in the World Series. That, no. That would be scary. He he could They'll probably put him out there three times if they have yeah. to. Oh, yeah. No, I could definitely see that being the case, so. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens because that's going to be – there's some tough teams. You know, this is a, a year where I think more than many other years before, there's the the haves and the have-nots. And there's a good half the league that's got some spectacular talent on their roster. And there's about half the league that just, you know, they're playing for, the, for next year's top draft pick. And it's going to make for an interesting dynamic this season of some really powerhouse teams and some really just downright terrible teams. And, you know, who can take advantage of that and win those terrible team games is going to mean a lot for every one of these teams. You know, if the Cubs can come out 6-0 and to start the season, um, obviously that's going to do great things for their record. But if they come out 3-3, three and three, boy, what's that going to do to their confidence? What's that going to do to their, their record? You know, if they can't beat these teams that have just completely derailed and broken themselves down and, you know, going for the, the rebuild mode, you know, that's going to mean a lot for, for not the Cubs only, but for every team, you know, you have to take advantage of those teams and, and win those games. And they're not always in baseball. It's not always that easy. You know, any guy can have their greatest day ever. Uh, any pitcher can go out there and throw a perfect game. So I think that's going to make a big difference this year is how, how do the good teams take advantage of the not so good teams? Yeah. I mean, like you were saying with the Cubs record, I think if the Cubs come out and go four and two, and they go four and zero oh against the Marlins, and then zero oh and two against the the Reds, it might not hurt their confidence at all because the Reds have a pretty good offense. They do, um, but they just don't have the pitching. But it could be a. Sh- I, I don't think that ball players look at it this way. I think that they that they see the game how it goes down. If they make mistakes, they feel bad about it. But if they if they have a good at bat and they strike out, it's not the end of the world to them. Yeah. No, you're right. I think that that's, that's got to be part of the mindset of a ball player. 162 game seasons, a long time. You know, every game is a grind. You can't let every at bat eat at you and you can't let every series eat at you either because there's always another one around the corner. So to kind of close things out here, Jeff, we got the big game tomorrow, opening day. Uh, who's going to hit the first home run for the Cubs? <laughs> who's up first? Ian Happ. All right, I'll go Ian Happ. <laughs> that's a safe bet right there. My gosh, did that guy do well this spring with leadoff home runs. So, man, would that be awesome. Start the season off with a home run out of Ian Happ. Um, I got to go with my boy Skinny Schwarbs. I don't know even know where he's going to get in the Schwarbs. lineup, but uh, I think that guy's going to club one in the uh, the opening day game. And, uh, you know, I hope it's one of many that we see out of the Cubs at opening day. But uh, I absolutely do think we're going to see Schwarber go deep at Marlins Park. What about you, Darvish? He's got his first start for the Cubs. I'm sorry, no, it's Lester's got his first start for the Cubs of the year. He's got the opening day mound. Um, are we going to see any bounce passes? What uh, What are we going to see out of our boy Lester? <laughs> 
No, I think we'll see a, a pickoff, a normal pickoff. Yeah, I think that's a pretty cool uh, safe bet there. I think he's, I think he's unleashed some uh, some new talent there in terms of throwing to first base. And I think the bounce pass was just to kind of distract people and make them think he really can't do it. But I like to believe that he got past that last year. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to like to believe we'll see a uh, maybe like seven innings pitched, one earned run, a uh, handful of strikeouts, and uh, most importantly, a Cubs win. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in. This has been the Cubs Session Podcast, the opening day edition. I'm Bill. And I'm Jeff. And we'll talk to you again soon.